I invite you to take your Bible, uh, whether you brought one or have one on your phone or the black Bible is right there at your feet, and open up to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1. If it's uh, the black Bible that you're looking at, it should be page 627, 627. We're going to look at chapter 1 as a part of this uh, series, almost series within a series. So our larger series that we're doing is called Knowing Jesus, seeking to know uh, more about the Savior so we can know him uh, better and better and know the life uh, that is in him. And we're, we're getting ready for, for Christmas and, the, and by looking at different Old Testament passages, uh, how, kind of getting an idea of how Old Testament saints got to know Jesus. Uh, before his incarnation, they, they knew him through the, the types and shadows of the Old Covenant. And, and we're looking at three of the key Old Covenant institutions, that of the, uh, the priest and the king and this week the prophet, and seeing how all these point us to Jesus and we, we get to know him uh, through them. Well, uh, we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 1, the opening uh, words of this uh, this prophecy and, and the calling of this prophet so we can know more about Jesus. So let's read, read chapter 1 together, giving attention to God's word. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. In it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overflow, overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Uh, then the Lord said to me, uh, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come, and every one shall set his throne against the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and have worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I have commanded you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Now, and I, behold, 
I will make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land and against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would use your word this day uh, to show us the glories of who Jesus is and the, and the life uh, that he speaks forth into, into our very world, our very lives. We do pray in his name. So what are you listening to? What are you listening to? It could be a very casual question. Maybe the kind of thing uh, that you might get asked at a holiday party. Uh, it seems like every time me and my brothers get together, it's something we ask each other. So what are you listening to? You know, what podcasts are you listening to? What audiobooks? What, what music? You know, it can be a very casual question. It also could be a very, very deep, profound, searching question. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? We're in a, a world of voices from, from every corner. Uh, sounds, voices, speaking forth, making declarations, uh, making statements about what is true and what is good and what is beautiful and what is life-giving. And all these voices saying all these different things, often uh, diametrically opposed things, uh, about what is good and true and beautiful. And here we are somewhere in the middle. Of course, it's not a new problem. Ever since the, uh, the days of the garden, there have been voices speaking uh, that are opposed to one another and, and God's people kind of in, in the middle. So, so what are you listening to? What are you giving attention to, giving, giving weight to? In the midst of all those voices, are we are we kind of just left to, to guess which one to listen to? Are, are we left just to kind of pick which one seems best to us or seems most uh, attractive to us? If, if you want to find somebody to say what you want to hear, you can find it. Is that all we got? Are we just confused? Enter the prophet. God's answer. The prophet. And... The word that the prophet speaks. That's what we want to talk about this morning. And we get a, get a taste of how God was laying the groundwork in the Old Testament through a series of prophets. Jeremiah 1 gives you a great introduction to what a prophet is and what he's called to do. And, and we'll see there in, in the shadows of the old how God was bringing forth the ultimate prophet, speaking the ultimate final word that we need to hear that really is true and really is beautiful and really gives life. So let's talk about the prophet. What exactly is a prophet? Well, several things uh, we could say. First of all, we could just work our way through the passage and say, say a number of things. Uh, the first thing we could say from the first couple of verses is a prophet is one who's called. One who's called by God. So the first couple of verses tell us where we are in Israel's history. If you look carefully and match it up to the timeline, verses 2 and 3 tell us uh, we're in the reign of these three kings, and, well, it's some of the darkest days in the history of God's people. These are the final uh, reigns before, uh, before Jerusalem is 
besieged and destroyed, and God's people are carried off to Babylon in exile, God's judgment, and this Jeremiah is called to minister during this 40-year period of pretty deep darkness. Uh, God calls him. Jeremiah doesn't apply for the job. God calls him. Uh, he emphasizes, verse 5, in that calling, that actually it was an ancient and very, very personal calling. Uh, God uh, not only knits Je Jeremiah together in his mother's womb, uh, but God says, before I ever did that, before you were ever made, I knew you. Not just knowing in the intellectual sense, but knowing, deep, personal uh, knowing, loving, caring before God ever made Jeremiah. He loved him. He cared for him. And he called him. He says he set him apart, consecrated him, uh, set him apart uh, for this holy, special calling from, from God himself. What's the calling? A prophet to the nations. Prophet to the nations. I knew you. I consecrated you. Prophet to the nations. Jeremiah tries to turn down the job offer. Uh, verse 6. Uh, actually, see if this sounds any familiar, like if you've ever heard this before in the Bible. Uh, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. That sound familiar at all? Kind of sounds a lot like Moses at the burning bush, doesn't it? Uh, it's actually quite similar. God calling Moses uh, to speak to Pharaoh in Egypt, and Moses also tries to turn down the job. Uh, saying that he's not good at speaking. Uh, actually, this is a very big Old Testament theme. Uh, in the Old Testament, Moses is presented as the, the, the great prototype of the prophet, and then is promised, Deuteronomy 18, that there's going to be a prophet like Moses raised up. And so a lot of the prophets are kind of hearkening back to Moses. And Jeremiah, especially, you see it in this, in this passage. Uh, so Moses, Jeremiah, be, be, be my, my messenger, and, and they try to turn him down. And in both cases, God says, no. No, you can't turn me down. Uh, you're going to go. But I'll be with you. Right? See, did you catch that? I will be with you, verse 8. Just like God promised to go with Moses, now God will be with Jeremiah. Uh, as uh, That's part of what it means to be called uh, by God. God with uh, his, his servant to do the work. Um, but the ultimate prophet isn't Moses, it isn't, it isn't even Jeremiah, it's Jesus. Can you see how Jesus is the one who's called? Talk about a, an ancient uh, calling that goes way back, uh, right? Before we ever get to the Bethlehem birth or the, or the Holy Spirit uh, having Jesus conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, uh, Jesus is before all of that, isn't he? What did we read this morning? In the beginning was the Word. Right? Before there was anything, before there was a Bethlehem, before there was a, a Mary, God, uh, there, was, there was the Word, right? One who was with God and was God. You get this picture of, of fellowship, of the, the Word, the Son, and the Father, and the Spirit we know as well. So before anything's made, there is this there is this knowing and being known, this, this loving fellowship of Father, Son, and Spirit. Talk about a, 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 an, ancient, uh, an ancient relationship and an ancient calling, because it was before God made anything uh, that he determines to, to save his people. 
uh, the, the Father to send the Son into the world sets him apart uh, to be the one who will go with this message uh, to his world. Uh, Jesus set apart, appointed the great prophet to the nations. Okay, so a prophet's called, but called to do what? What's exactly the job all about? Well, that's where you keep going in our passage, and we find out the prophet is one who speaks the word of God. The prophet is one who speaks the word of God. Uh, Jeremiah gets the job description in words uh, and in a picture. In words, uh, verbal description. Verse 7, God says, the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So Jeremiah is to go and speak forth what God tells him to speak. That's what a prophet does. Receiving word from the Lord and speaking it out. A prophet isn't primarily about telling the future, as if he was just a fancy uh, Bible-baptized fortune teller. No. Uh, Sometimes the prophecies are about the future, but primarily what a prophet is, is one who receives the word and speaks it. Uh, Receives God's message and speaks it forth. Uh, And just to clarify for Jeremiah, he he gets a picture Uh, to understand. And you you get this vision that he has in verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Uh, I already know exactly what what Jeremiah saw here. Obviously, God doesn't have a body, and so he doesn't have physical hands, but somehow there's a representation, a vision, an illustration. But but you get the idea. Uh, Jeremiah, in in this vision of sorts, says it's the hand of the Lord touches his mouth. And God says, I I put my words there. You get the idea. God's saying, I put my word in there because you're going to go speak it. God puts the word in, and Jeremiah's going to go speak it out. That's what a prophet does. If we had time, we could go over to uh, the prophet Ezekiel, where he gets a very similar picture. Uh, Only the word of God uh, is given to him in a vision uh, on a scroll. A scroll, God's message is written, and and it's given to Jeremiah or to Ezekiel, and God says, eat it. Take that scroll and eat the scroll. It's the same picture. Here's God's word. Put it in. God's going to put it in, and you're going to speak it out. That's what a prophet does. Receives the word and speaks it out. Just like Moses got the word from the Lord, right? Moses up on the mountain, receives the law, and then speaks it forth to the people. That's what a prophet does. Receives the word and speaks it forth. Uh, of course, ultimately, it's, it's not Moses, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, uh, but it's the Lord uh, Jesus himself. Listen to how Hebrews 1 puts these pieces together. Uh, Hebrews introduces Jesus this way. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In days past, he spoke, God spoke through the prophets. Now, in this climactic age where we live, where we've been since Christmas, the first one, Hebrews says, God has spoken. He's spoken by his son. There's the great prophet. There's the the great message from uh, from the Lord uh, that God gives. It's from the Son. And uh, you actually might remember 
uh, the father illustrates this or demonstrates this in uh, in the Gospels. Remember that scene where Jesus goes up on the mountain with a couple of disciples, and and there's a couple of prophets who appear with him, Moses and Elijah, and, and then there's Jesus, transfigured. He's you know kind of shining. And you remember what God says? God says, "This is my beloved son. Listen to him." There's Jesus standing with some prophets, and God says, "This is my son. Listen to him." Listen to him, yeah, because he is the final, great, ultimate prophet uh, in what he says, but actually in his in his very being. What did we read this morning from John? Uh, how is Jesus described as the Word? Right? It's not just something he speaks; it's something he is. He shows up as as the final, ultimate message from God. Uh, that's really what we what we have what we have at Christmas. That's what Christmas really is. It's it's God's message showing up in the sun. Listen to him. Listen to him. So, what is a prophet? It's one who speaks the word of God. It's one whose message often is illustrated and authenticated. Uh, and uh, the next part of our Jeremiah passage gives us another characteristic that's very common of the prophets, which is. Uh, the word that they speak is often depicted in, in some kind of visual form. Uh, here it's a series of, of visions that Jeremiah gets. So we get one uh, there in verse 11. Jeremiah has this vision of an almond branch. Uh, it, it's kind of a play on words. Uh, the Hebrew word for almond is uh, closely related to the word for watch. And so the almond picture is God is watching over his word. Right? It's an illustration. It's a picture. My word that you're going to speak, Jeremiah, is going to do exactly what I appointed to do. And here's this picture of it. Uh, maybe a, even a little a clearer for our English uh, translations would be the picture he gets in verse 14. Here it's a pot that's boiling, uh, facing away from the north. In other words, if you're going to pour out this boiling pot, it's going to pour from north to south. And then God gives the what that means. Uh, and the illustration is... Uh, God's going to send judgment from the north to the south. God's going to send the armies of Babylon and other nations from the north to the south to bring God's judgment. And those visions are they're illustrations. It's the, the word, the message, pictured. Sometimes in the prophets, it's through visions like that. Other times, it's through the prophets doing strange actions uh, to, to kind of live out the message. You'll see that in Jeremiah. If you kept reading, Jeremiah does all sorts of weird things. Uh, he takes a clay flask to the city gates and breaks it in front of the elders. Uh, he walks around with a plowing yoke on his shoulders. Uh, another time, he goes out and buys a field in the, in the midst of a siege. Uh, all very strange, odd things. Yeah, it's illustrations. God's giving the, the message from the Lord in pictures. Other prophets uh, do, uh, do that illustrating work through, uh, through miracles. This is especially with prophets Elijah and Elisha. They do a whole series of miracles. And the point is not just, wow, this is amazing, uh, but God is, God is illustrating uh, the message and authenticating this is really God's servant. And again here, it's not hard to see Jesus, is it? Uh, Jesus shows up, and he doesn't just speak things. Uh, he does a lot of things that are amazing, <laughs> shocking, attention-getting, uh, but all of them are, are targeted. They're not random. They're not just flashy. They're, they're signs. 
That's how uh, the Gospel of John speaks of them. It's signs. They, they point to something. They illustrate something. Now, so Jesus takes bread and he multiplies it and feeds people. And then he explains what's the point uh, of the illustration. He says, I'm the bread of life that feeds to eternal life. Or he, or he heals the blind man and he gives the point. Yeah, I'm the light of the world that opens blind eyes. Or raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, that gets people's attention. What's the point? He's the resurrection and the life who has come to bring life from the dead. Uh, and, and God's people are, uh, get that. Uh, here, here's one, one explanation from John 6. This is, uh, this is Jesus doing, doing one, of those, one of those miracles. It's the, the multiplying of the bread. Uh, when the people saw the sign, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And they get it. Oh, this is what prophets do. They do these strange, uh, amazing things. This is the prophet, the one Moses told us to expect. Here he is. And even though they were struggling to believe, they were on to something true. He is the prophet. Uh, even more so, the ultimate, uh, the great message from the Lord that's illustrated uh, before the people. Two more quick characteristics of the prophet, and they'll try to put the pieces together. So a prophet also uh, is one who warns of judgment and promises salvation. Here we get into what the message of the prophet is. Uh, and it's uh, typically a message of warning and of hope. Uh, a message of warning. Prophets in the Old Testament rarely showed up when everything was just wonderfully uh, happening spiritually. Just, you know, the, the, the happy days. They usually show up in times of deep, deep spiritual darkness. Like, like Jeremiah, who said this is some of the darkest days uh, of Israel. And the message that Jeremiah is to give is one of warning. Uh, you, you get a, a little description of that, summary of that in verse 16 of chapter 1. God gives a, here's a, here's a little summary of what your message is going to be. Verse 16, I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. The people of God have forsaken the Lord. They've worshipped false gods. They've, uh, they've failed to trust in him. And, and now God's saying, unless Unless they turn from their sin, repent, unless they turn from their sin, judgment's coming. Uh, what, sin, what sin deserves? And the prophet is to, is to warn. And this is much of what Jeremiah is. It's a, a detailed description of the, of the failures and sins of the people of God uh, and a warning about coming judgment. A warning so that people can turn. Uh, it turns out that they don't. Uh, and, and indeed, in Jeremiah shows us that God does bring the judgment that he promised. Babylon does come in and surround and destroy and exile, and uh, God's word comes true. But Jeremiah is called to warn, uh, but also give promise, give hope, give salvation, uh, the message of salvation. And you get a little hint of that in our passage, uh, and it comes out later in the book. The little hint shows up in verse 10. Uh, you get this description of, of what God's word is going to do through Jeremiah, and most of it's negative. Uh, pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, but also build and plant. Uh, it quickly switches to some positives. Uh, so, and and that's, that's borne out. As you get read through Jeremiah, the first part of the book is, 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 is dark and, and warning and judgment. And then you get to chapter 30 to 33, and God gives this message of hope that, right, yes, 
Uh, even despite the, the sin and the darkness and the, and the judgment, God will bring salvation. He says he will make a new covenant uh, with his people. He promises that he's going to turn their mourning, their, their weeping into joy. That he's going to write the word of God in their hearts. That see, he's going to forgive their trespasses, remember their sins no more, and he will be their God and they will be his people forever, Jeremiah promises. The great hope of salvation. Warns of judgment, promises salvation. That's what a prophet does. And isn't that exactly what Jesus does? You might even think of, of how Jesus summarizes his teaching. Uh, he, he tends to summarize his message this way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, that essentially is a, is a warning and a promise kind of baked in. Uh, repent. There really is sin. There's sin that needs to be turned from. Uh, and, and turning from it, here is this Salvation, the saving kingdom uh, is, is arriving. The saving reign of God is arriving. And, and, of course, that's what Jesus' ministry is all about. He does. He does give warnings about sin. He talks about uh, and points out uh, where it shows up among his people so they can turn from it. Uh, interestingly, Jesus even gives a whole, uh, a whole section of, of warning uh, towards the very end of his ministry that's very much Jeremiah-like, talking about another destruction of Jerusalem uh, that's going to happen because of sin. It's actually a picture of the final judgment, uh, but Jesus had Jeremiah-like warning uh, about judgment and sin. Uh, but of course, the primary message of Jesus is one of salvation and rescue. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. The saving reign of God is here. You might remember how John 3 puts it. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to save the world through him. Save the world through him. Yeah, he's the, he's the ultimate prophet. He, he announces God's salvation is here. Actually, he's, he's better than any Old Testament prophet because he doesn't just announce salvation. He brings it about. The very, the very rescue that he, he talks about and promises, he actually accomplishes. As he, as he bears the judgment that we deserve, uh, and, then, and then gives us all the blessings of salvation uh, free, uh, because he took the curse for us. Our, our weeping into joy, our sins remembered no more, uh, we as his children for all eternity. That's what Jeremiah promised. That's what Jesus brings about. Well, one last one. One last final characteristic of a prophet that we see in this chapter 1 of Jeremiah. A prophet is one who is opposed but prevails. You get a description of that in verse 19. God says to Jeremiah, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. In their, in their lifetimes, prophets were rarely popular. Uh, they were, more often than not, mistreated, misunderstood. Jeremiah is really at the top of that list. Uh, his message was never well received. Uh, over 40 years of, of, of ministry, his message never well received. Uh, he's mistreated, he's arrested, he's He's put in jail, he's beaten, he's thrown down a muddy pit and left to die. Uh, not exactly well treated. But God accomplishes what he says. He preserves him. 
And he upholds him. He's with him all the way and, and, and rescues him from it all. And here we are thousands of years later, and we're still benefiting, blessed by Jeremiah's work. That's what a prophet frequently is, opposed, but he prevails. And of course, how much more is that true of, of the great prophet Jesus? Uh, he is one who is certainly opposed. He shows up in Bethlehem and right almost immediately, we, we read of it. We'll, we'll read of it next week about Herod getting the news of this newborn king and immediately he wants to kill him. Right? Jesus is barely born and already uh, people are coming after him. And throughout his ministry, uh, people don't understand him. Uh, they're, he's ultimately betrayed and, uh, and, and rejected. He's mistreated and, and tortured and then killed cruelly. Right? The ultimate of opposition. But he prevails. His father does not abandon him to the grave. He's raised up on that third day. And, and it's not just uh, he doesn't lose, uh, but he doesn't lose so that we can win. Think about it. Jesus is opposed uh, so that we can prevail. He's opposed all the way to death so that we connected with him are, are raised up. Uh, he, he's opposed and we prevail with him. We get that news as well. He's the great prophet. Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And that's what we have in a world of voices, in a world where there are so many voices saying all sorts of things about what is good and what is true and what is beautiful and what gives life. And, and here we are stuck in the middle, uh, perhaps wondering which voices are worth listening to, uh, tempted to listen to some, and, and, and maybe they're the right ones and maybe they're not. How do we know? Are we stuck? Well, here's, here's God's answer. In these last days, he has spoken through his son. There's the... There's the voice worth listening to. There's the voice you can trust. You, you can't necessarily trust your own heart. It'll lead you astray. You can't necessarily trust even people you, you might, might otherwise admire, because uh, they can be wrong. But a word from God spoken? That you can build your life on. Uh, and that's what we have in Jesus. Uh, and and the, the call, really, of the Christmas message of the, of the word made flesh is a is a call to listen, a call to listen to him, right? And we started off with that question. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Uh, the call of the word made flesh is the call to, this is my beloved son, listen to him, listen to him. Give attention to his warnings. Yeah, there's, there's warnings that Jesus gives. Uh, the, the, the kingdom of God comes with this call to, to repent, there's, there's, there is real darkness out there, and, and there's real darkness in here, and we need to turn from it. There's real uh, voices that we're listening to that we shouldn't be listening to that are leading us uh, into destructive paths for ourselves and for others, and, and we need to uh, stop listening to those voices. Turn, repent, but because there's good news. The, the saving kingdom has arrived, and look in Jesus. Uh, the word not only speaks it, it, it accomplishes it. God has done it in his son. We don't do any of the work. He's done it. 
Uh, he does all that it takes to, to turn our weeping into joy. He does all that it takes to have our sins remembered no more. Uh, to have us become children of the living God, his, his very word on our hearts. He's done it. Uh, the call for us is just to turn and to, and to trust him, to, to turn and to, uh, to give ear, to hearken our, our attention to him, to listen to the beloved son. That's right. Father, we do pray that you would, you would speak afresh uh, that same good news that we need to hear again uh, through the Word made flesh. We pray, Lord, that we would we would know His voice. You promise that Your sheep would would know the voice of the shepherd. Lord, uh, give us ears to hear, uh, knowing that with Him is life. Lord, give life to Your people, even Your uh, those gathered here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.